Night, Chasing the Rainbows, with your host, Bernice Quisenberry. On this week's podcast episode, we are holding our Ask a Maternal Fetal Medicine Doctor segment with Dr. Serena Wu, who is a maternal fetal medicine specialist that experienced her own baby loss. And we just appreciate you being here and being willing to help us fellow survivors, Serena. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and to to be able to speak with Bree and uh, help again. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, the survivor that we we're interviewing, and as Serena said today, um, that's present, and some of you may know her voice or recognize it, is from our B and Bree segment. Brianna Groover is here to ask her own questions about one of her losses of her son, Landon. Thank hey, you. Hey, yeah. Hey, guys. Nice to be with you again. Great, and thanks for coming. Yeah, so um, before we get started, just a real quick disclaimer. We are not giving out medical advice, medically treating any person, diagnosing any person, providing second opinions, virtual consults throughout our podcast. What a mouthful. This segment is to give some peace to our listeners who are struggling with some questions because of the whirlwind of events that happened during our traumatic losses, but we are opening the ability to have a dialogue without feeling judged or silenced around our losses, and that's what's really important. We are promoting awareness and actual feelings that occur during our losses for a safe space to talk about any thoughts and feelings openly and honestly. For medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis, please consult your primary physician or obstetrician. Our intention is solely to help survivors process their own loss. So we have received numerous requests for from survivors through our cryedoutloudpodcast.com website. And we are grateful that we're being found. So if anyone's out there listening and you have questions around your loss, please write in and we would love to host you on one of these segments. With the volume of requests though, we do ask that everybody um, please just be patient as we work through them and we can only select a couple to highlight as we work through the list. However, being assured that we will answer your questions as we're working through and on the process of each segment. So we may reach out for further questions and discussion by email or to host you on the website it's or to host you on the podcast i'm sorry um so with that said we are going to dive into Bree's questions around her loss like i said and you know dr serena Wu. yeah dr Wu, thanks for being here and answering some of these questions um so just a little background so a lot of you uh, know my story just based off of our previous podcast so i had lost uh, i had two stillbirths i had one his name is Landon, and I lost him at 16 weeks, and that's kind of where my questions come from today. So uh, my pregnancy, when I got pregnant, we had no trouble getting pregnant. Um, normal pregnancy, everything looked great, um, no issues. And then around November, um, uh, my oldest daughter contracted Fifth's disease. She was originally misdiagnosed, um, and then I ended up contracting it later on and was asymptomatic. Um, I went in for a routine um, doctor's appointment and they could not hear the heartbeat with the Doppler, so they sent me for an ultrasound. Uh, went in for the ultrasound and they discovered he did not have a heartbeat anymore. Um, he was measuring around 16 weeks. They also told me at that time that his head looked very swollen, um, which can I, they said can indicate a virus. Um, so they tested him and it did come back positive as fifth's disease. So my first question is how common is it for a baby to contract this common childhood illness? So that's a great question. And I'm Bree, I'm so sorry that, uh, you went through this Thank you. and, um, 
that it got misdiagnosed and then then subsequently um, this this ended up happening. Can I just back up? Sure. Um, when you say she, um, your daughter was misdiagnosed, yeah. Um, can you just expand on that? Um, like a hay fever <laughs> type, uh, of, like completely misdiagnosed. Okay. Um, no indication that it would have been fifth disease or anything. So it was we and we walked away thinking, oh, okay, we're good. You know, nothing that I could contract, and we didn't feel concerned about it. Um, so How was it picked up then? I think from school. I I later found out there was it was going around the school. Okay, and so that was that when you d- decided that wait maybe this is not hay fever. So or did she get sicker? No, she didn't get sicker. She got better. Um, and then, it, but it wasn't until we I think it was like a week or two later. Then we went for another opinion. So we found out later on, but it had been like a week or two okay. after initial. Okay. Yeah. So for fifth disease is um, caused by a virus called parvovirus. Okay. Um, and parvovirus um, is actually quite ubiquitous or mm. quite common. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it's a common um, childhood disease. And a virus, you know, unfortunately, there's really uh, nothing to yeah. treat it. No antibiotics. Antibiotics are generally for bacterial infections um so it it what's interesting though is that um it is it is very common in um the uh the the daycare setting Mm. um transmission to other uh family members is actually lower um Mm. if if you were to get it from a uh, daycare setting or yeah, child she care was setting. three so she was in preschool and yeah I was also worked in healthcare, so they were kind of surprised that I did contract it because of just my immune system working in healthcare. right right and you would have been exposed mm. you might have been exposed if they were to um, try to figure that out yeah we could see if you had been previously exposed through your blood work but that being said if you had an acute exposure and your blood work um, demonstrated that we would still need to f- follow you. Mm. Um, so, what's interesting about a lot of viral diseases, and and I'm not going to go into all of them. I'll just focus on this. But what's interesting with, um, like, say, parvovirus or cytomegalovirus or CMV, you might have that would be an acronym or varicella, chickenpox, is that being exposed to these viruses early in pregnancy causes the most harm okay um so actually it's been found that um if you are exposed if the mom is exposed and it contracts that in the first 20 weeks that um the transmission to the baby would be uh higher oh okay and unfortunately that also is the time where it could cause the most harm Hmm. Um, and is that because of the developmental stages occurring? Um, it's because of the f- uh, the fast moving cells, fast developing cells. That makes sense. Um, so transmission is uh, anywhere between eight to seventeen percent mm. in the up in the first twenty weeks, wow. and after the twenty weeks and then on, it's only two to six percent. Oh wow! Um, so it would have been important um, as soon as you know 
to find out, okay, my child has been exposed to parvovirus. I might have been exposed to parvovirus. Maybe I need to talk to my OBGYN or family doctor or provider mm -hmm. to get further testing or just get more information okay yeah does that so if so let's you know with these viruses and if you're in those early stages and it does cross the placenta um does it always kill the baby no it does not okay um what parvovirus specifically does is it it, it, it attacks the the cells of the blood system and it can make the baby very anemic mm. and then it can make that baby um, develop something what we call high drops um, and I think when you refer to um, Landon yeah um, having a swollen head yeah, he, I think they were referring to the fact that the skin the scalp was probably very swollen yeah it, it definitely was especially when I delivered him you could see his head was very swollen right um, and so what we would do is that um, we would monitor you if we had known okay yeah that was gonna be my next question is what could, so if I would have known and she wouldn't have been misdiagnosed um, what could we have done could we have done anything to save Landon I guess is my question so I don't know about quote save yeah but yes there are what we would have done to monitored is that you would have come to the office we would have drawn your blood seen what kind of exposures you had or had not um, then we would have monitored you and if it definitely showed an acute exposure we would have seen you every one to two weeks for the next eight to twelve weeks okay that first eight weeks is when the baby can develop all that extra fluid and what high drops is is ex extra fluid in places where there shouldn't be fluid mm -hmm. so and we need two out of those out of four to five places of the baby um, that need to have that extra fluid one of them is what we call uh, fluid in the skin or edema so we do have measurements for that um, but it's like extra thickening of the skin other places where there shouldn't be fluid, that we see fluid, would be in the lung area, um, in the belly area. Um, and then s softer signs that are not part of the criteria but does point us in that way is like if there's extra fluid around the baby mm. or if the placenta is extra thick. Okay. So that's what the high drops is referring to. Okay, that makes sense. And so, you know, if, I guess it's a virus, there's not really any way you can treat a virus I guess I was thinking if you treat me would it also treat the baby right wouldn't that be great yes <laughs> it would be great for a lot of things right so unfortunately this particular virus there's no uh, medication there's um, no IV medications that we could give nothing orally we could give we can only monitor okay if we were to see signs of that the baby's developing anemia um, and we do that with, and you would have to go see, by the way, a maternal field medicine specialist because okay. we are trained to do that specific ultrasound. Um, we would uh, look to see if the baby's becoming anemic and what would end up happening to treat your baby be, uh, because of the anemia is to give a blood transfusion in utero. Oh, wow. Okay. So that would be the treatment if that were to happen. And does that typically save no, I guess you save yeah. is hard to you know but 
does it increase the chances of the baby surviving? Yes. Okay. Now that's obviously it's not without risk. Yeah. To do a transfusion, it's also um, a needle into your abdomen yeah. <laughs> that goes into the uterus. Yeah. It's kind of like an amniocentesis. Okay. But what we would be uh, specifically aiming for mm. is for the baby's umbilical cord where we would, um, it would be just like as if you had an emergency, uh, needed emergency blood transfusion. It would be a specific type of blood that would have everything irradiated in it. It would be O negative and they don't need much. We would have to calculate how much blood that okay. baby would need, but we would have to aim for that umbilical cord, stick a needle into it, and then transfuse blood. Wow. That be, and that being said, these are done at centers um, that still do this. Mm -hmm. um, it used to be done really much more frequently when we had RH uh, alloimmunization or RH disease. That is where moms, that were Rh negative, had a baby that was Rh positive, and it's it's that similar process in terms of anemia, not with not with parvovirus, mm -hmm. but in terms of anemia, the baby would have the mom's um, Im immune system go after their blood cells, okay, and then the baby would become anemic, okay. So is there a time frame on when that needs to take place? So you know, what I mean, like I guess I, I always struggle with. If we would have caught it sooner, could Correct. we have saved him or could yeah. we have done something different? So like, are we talking a week makes a big difference or is it several weeks or, I mean, I'm, I assume every baby may, might be different depending on the type of exposure they've had. I mean, so thankfully, I mean, the first 20 weeks in your case, it would have been good to yeah. get to the doctor, get tested, and then be followed out. Um, and maybe in a, another month, get your blood tested again. After 20 weeks, the risk of transmission drops off. Yeah. And the likelihood of the baby developing, developing high drops also drops. Okay. But that first 20 weeks, yes, we would have wanted to see you. We, wanted, we would have wanted to get your blood, um, blood work yeah. and blood draw and know do we need to start following you weekly you know every one to two weeks or, or so um, you know eight to seventeen percent that doesn't sound like a lot yeah but when you're that one it's a yeah. hundred percent absolutely and then you feel like okay if I had gotten into like in your case the yeah. doctor sooner and they would have drawn my blood and saw that I had an acute exposure then maybe I would have gone a different path and maybe I would have ended up yeah. Getting a blood transfusion for my baby. I've had to work through a lot of those emotions because for a long time it was, I struggled with, well, if we would have recognized this sooner. And then I also struggled with, well, if my daughter, because I have heard that the, the further along you are, the better off the baby would be if exposed. And um, I struggled with, well, gosh, why couldn't my daughter get sick a month later? Or, you know, it's just those what if kind of situations and um those are those are hard pills to swallow when you're you lose your baby and right. knowing that the outcome could have been different if situations were different but right. this is just how it happened and um you know I appreciate those answers because I think those are questions and we all have questions when we lose our child of you know oh yeah yeah just how how things could have been different and um could I have done something different and it's nice to have those those answered. Yeah. And so I'm appreciate so sorry that. that 
it was not diagnosed sooner yeah and chalked up to something that sounded very benign yeah um, yeah and, and I honestly and I, I I do have to say too that even even once diagnosed my daughter um would I have had the knowledge to because it is such a common virus would right. I have put the two together that oh this could potentially be harmful to my baby because I feel like oh you know my daughter's fifth disease okay you know she's fine so right. you assume the baby's going to be fine like I don't know in my mind if I would have even put that together and that's an absolute great point that you made yeah. because I don't know how many women or um, people families would have put those two together either yeah I think some um, some you know you don't want you don't feel like you want to be that mom yeah that patient yes yes 100 percent. and you don't want to call and say hey i i you know i think my daughter con contracted this mm -hmm. and i don't want to sound so worried but should i be worried yeah and at what point do you draw a line you know like there's so many viruses and things out there i mean is there a list that's like this is when you call the doctor this is when you don't call the doctor you know like there's the list goes on and on of viruses and at what point are you, should you be concerned? You know, is there like a, right. a top five that, yes, you should definitely call your doctor about or, you know, it's just, it's so hard because when, when you're pregnant, I feel like you're so paranoid about a lot of things, especially if you're pregnant, you're pregnant after experiencing a loss because you're already high anxiety. Um, and we had a, had a loss prior to that. We had yeah. a blighted ovum. So I was kind of on high alert to begin with. Right. Um, so yeah, it just makes you wonder, you know, at what point, do you drive yourself insane with every little sniffle that you have or a, a child of yours has? It can be it can be a slippery slope to go down. Well, yeah, and from your experience, when you and I and you know you shared this with me and told me your story and about you know Landon and things like that. Well, when we were pregnant with our rainbow baby Faye, I contracted COVID twice. Mm -hmm. One at eight weeks, first time, and then the second time was in my thirtieth week, and. I'm telling you, I was so freaked out that that crossed over. Cause I, I mean, cause you do, you think about it now, granted, we just treated the symptoms per symptom and handled it that way and it didn't, but it, it does worry you. Yeah. Cause you just, you just don't know, like it, yeah. so I, you just never would have thought fifth disease would kill my child, right, you right. know? And, um, yeah, you just don't know at, at what point should you be concerned. Right. And I wish there was a, a top five though, I think. If you were to tell your OB or your MFM that, okay, I've been exposed, we would still follow you. Yeah. So I think in terms of pregnant pregnancy, fifth disease ranks in the top 10 for sure. Okay. Um, and I, I would just encourage, just because you don't know. Yeah. And how are you supposed to know? Right. That no matter what pops up, I would just encourage that you always talk to your doctor and, you know, I'm not that patient. Just, just it's yeah. a mantra. I'm not that patient. Yeah. I'm just a mom. Tr protecting who, your child. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. I love that you said that because I'm definitely always very cautious and I don't want to be that patient. I think because I work in healthcare, so I don't want to be like that. But you're right. You have to. Your your job is to protect your child. And if it's a little sniffle, or, you never know what you're dealing with because a little sniffle right. can be a lot of things these days. Oh yes. You know. Sure. So you yeah. you kind of have to err on the side of caution right and and speak up and you are your baby's advocate yeah so no, i think that's a great point 
when I think having like full drawn ups, like by being honest with your doctor, by having that open communication with your doctor is so important because then, I mean, just for peace of mind, even just to have an extra blood draw or to have something else, like it just makes you feel so much better in my opinion, like, or, or, you know, you can prepare yourself for what, you know. Um, but for me, like just, I mean, I'd rather have that conversation than not. And yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And live with a regret like I do, <laughs> you know, just, well, I do, I do, I, I, I do. It's, it's one of those things that I look back and I, I, I always feel like I could have done something, but you know, it, it's, it is what it is. And, um, it, it, it's given me knowledge, you know, and, um, moving on beyond that with each subsequent pregnancy, I was able to speak up a little louder and, and be that advocate and, um, you know, learn from those experiences. And, and, and really that's kind of the goal here, sharing my story too, and asking these questions is somebody hears this and, you know, maybe their child has a sniffle and they, you know, just, just to speak up and you just never know. Right. Yeah. You know. Like we talk about like that educate to advocate, right. Yeah. For ourselves. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story. Thank you, Dr. Oh, Sarita. I know it must be hard to, you know, bring that up and then yeah. he hear that, okay, there was something I could have done. Yeah. That might have been able to prevent. Um, we don't know 100% yeah. where, but at the same time, there are, if any mom out there hears that they, that their child has been exposed to parvovirus, they absolutely need to go tell their OB. If their OB says, oh, don't worry about it, don't listen to that either. Yeah. I would advocate, let me, you know, I don't know if I've been exposed in the past. I need to know if I have an acute infection. Yeah. Um, because uh, actually parvo is, can be, like you said, you can be asymptomatic. Yeah, like I was. Yeah. So like a lot of viruses. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank so. you, Dr. Wu. I appreciate you so much. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So any survivors out there that have any questions, like we said, surrounding your loss during the whirlwind that you wish you would have asked a doctor, you just want to, you know, ask Dr. Serena Wu about, you know, um, please feel free to write in. And we are here for you guys. Um, thank you for tuning in. And please follow or subscribe to our podcast to help us reach more survivors. And we are always with you, fertility loss, pregnancy loss, and baby loss survivors. Until next time. Thanks for listening.